hands to your heart center. Oh. Make sure you're muted here just so that we can, um, well, everyone can have their own kind of space then for the feelings that way too. But just as we've been doing, putting that gentle pressure on your heart space, or we started yesterday thinking about, is there any other place in my body that needs my attention? Was there a way in which I need to hold myself right now that would feel nourishing and then doing so? And wherever you land in, notice if your awareness drifted away, just from you holding you, being with you, and see if you can draw it back. And then sustain that for the next three breaths, really staying present, one breath, and then the next, and then the next. The call right now is for presence. That's the invitation of this time. So inhaling through the nose, being with yourself. Exhaling out the mouth, maybe a big sigh today. <sighs> Stimulating that vagal nerve. Inhaling through the nose. Making some noise as you sigh it out. <sighs> Breathing in. <sighs> Breathing out. Compassion and Empathy is not a limited resource, but the doorway toward feeling those kinds of feelings for each other and for ourselves is just being with us, feeling your own feelings. You're welcome to stay here, just holding you. Go ahead and drop your hands, lift your chin, and open your eyes. And we'll chat for a second. Um, so, Renee Brown had a um, has a podcast, which I somehow <laughs> didn't know about. Friends uh, and Jessica sent it to me yesterday, and. Um, she has two right now that are up. One has to do with grief, and then the other one has to do with um, how uh, we, and I've been talking about this the whole time, so I feel like, okay, we're getting it. 
The other one has to do with how we tend to compare suffering. Um, and I wanted to tell just a couple of stories here. So the first one, if I could give loves a public service announcement about what is happening right now and just always in the world, um, I think sometimes that we believe and understand in our intellectual mind that healing is going to look like this totally magical, mystical thing. And one day you're going to be like, oh my goodness, I saw spirit. I get what God is. Boom, I'm done. Right? And that would be awesome if it worked that way. But the work of healing and the work of enlightenment is actually really the basic work of being to being able to be with ourselves and our feelings. And it is dirty and it is ugly and it is messy and it is at times full of elation at other times it is like it's gonna be all of it, like we've talked about. And um and that's it. Like that's the work of healing. And we are so crafty though because many of us as children designed these wonderful escape mechanisms. It's like as kids, we were like, oh, wait a minute, this scares me. How can I not be so scared? Or, oh, wait a minute, I don't feel lovable right now. How can I create essentially a spaceship inside of myself where I make a plan and it transports me to a place where then I, if I do enough, I'm lovable. Or if I am judgmental, then I don't have to feel my own fear. It's kind of like we created a landscape inside of ourselves that um, where we like design them so we don't have to feel our feelings, right? And I wish that in schools right now, especially right now with what is going on, that there would be this big public service announcement that we could just be like, whatever is happening, whatever our kids are feeling, whatever our the adults in your life are feeling, that that's what needs to happen, right? That we really, like Melissa was talking about, and I feel like I repeat this all the time, but it is my mission in life for all of you to realize that you are so expansive that you have the space to hold all of it, right? Um, and my mom, I've talked about my mom a lot because my in my classes over the years because my mom is one of those people in my life where we have a lot of, have had a lot of friction um, and most recently this year, it kind of started out 20, I was like, 2020 is gonna be the best. And then it was like, by January 3rd, I was like, it's looking a little bit different than I expected. <laughs> and my mom, um, was diagnosed with cancer and then she had a heart attack shortly thereafter. And ever since her heart attack, I guess this is a thing. Some of you might know about this, um, she has been a lot more available um, emotionally, not only to us, her children and her grandchildren and her friends, but also to herself. And she told me this story. We had a social distancing picnic yesterday where my parents sat in lawn chairs 20 feet away and then we were on a blanket. And then like the whole time my daughter's like, don't come near us. It was because she takes it very, very seriously as we all should. Um, and my mom was telling us I had sent, I send her meditations from Tara Brock. Just, I don't know. I just, it's like something I've been doing over the years as a way for her to know what I'm up to. And then also maybe she would do one. 
And she said that she did one the other day. She just felt called to. And she was in her bedroom and she was sitting on her bed and she did the meditation. And then Tara said, I want whatever is arising, I want you to make space for that. And my mom and her new, um, I had a heart attack, my heart got broken open, said that for the first time in years, she let the fear that she feels in life all the time arise and she cried her eyes out. And this is, I wish I could, I don't know, I, I assume all moms are like my mom, but I wish I could tell you the archetype of my mom is not someone where normally this would happen. And you could tell just in the way that she was talking about it, that there was a new tenderness in the same way that the heart attack and the cancer has caused a new tenderness, her allowing herself to feel her fear caused a new tenderness. Does this make sense to you friends? Um, yes. Okay, good. It's so hard with no feedback. I'm like, no one to laugh at my jokes. I don't know what's happening out there for all of you. Um, and so that's my public service announcement is that whatever's happening for you, like be brave enough to feel like be brave enough to feel it, be brave enough to sit still so that all of it can rush in. And then the second thing I want to talk about is, um, and this also weirdly has to do with my parents. I'm having a parental theme today here on Passover. Um, the, my parents lost a child, um, before I was born and for many parents, my sister, Alex is her name for many parents when they are couples, when they lose a child, um, it can cause a rift in the relationship. And my belief around that, that I created from not understanding about grief when I was young, um, was that it would have been the grief that it would have caused them to like move apart to divorce. Right. And I was listening to this grief person talk um, to Brene Brown and she asked him this question. She's asked him directly because she said, I've heard, and I, she said, I don't have the data, you know, Brene Brown, that when um, a couple loses a child, that there's a greater rate of divorce. And he said, yes, but it is not the losing of the child and the grief that causes the divorce. It's the judgment of how the other is grieving. Do you guys get that? It's the judgment of how the other person is grieving, which means that there's some shoulds and some shouldn'ts happening and there's some rights and wrongs happening. And then the next thing that he said is that judgment demands punishment, right? Judgment demands punishment and punishment is to inflict loss, right? That's like, that's the, the root of the word punishment is when you punish someone, you want them to lose more. And so I think the temptation, if you look at social media and the news, and maybe even in some of your own relationships right now, is that there's a um, sort of, you see a lot of rights and wrongs and shoulds and shouldn'ts going around about how people should be grieving. And that leaves very little room in the conversation for what we first started with, which is just feeling our own wholeness and being brave enough to feel. Because if we have hold any shame around what we're feeling, like if we're like, it's easier to use our kids as an example. My son is super sad that he doesn't get to go finish fifth grade. 
And for him, that is his greatest loss. He now goes into middle school a little bit blind, and he knows that, right? And so for him in his life, this is the greatest loss probably that he's experienced is this disruption. Um, <clears throat> for me, I'm experiencing other things. I'm also coming right off the tail end of a divorce, so I feel very trained in grief right now. Um, but um, this grief um, counselor and writer said that whatever, here I'm going to read it to you. Oh, the worst loss is always your loss, right? The worst loss is always your loss. So whatever is happening for you that you have lost, that's the worst of it. That's the worst that you can know. And if we can sit with that and be with that without shame, then it's going to be more possible for us to then reach back out into the world with compassion. Does that make sense? friends. Um, and so I think like, uh, when we start grading suffering and thinking that there is a, like this person suffering more and this person suffering less, it leaves very little in the room, in, in the room, like very little air in the room for conversation, for curiosity, for listening, for compassion, let alone self-compassion. What it leaves us with is shame and a shoving down of our own feelings. And then ultimately a dysfunction right? And so our job together as we move forward is to bear witness to each other's grief and however it comes up because grief needs a witness. I know that it does from my personal experience. You have to be able to have people see you and hear you and listen with curiosity and open minds. And so that's like, I hope that Love Hive will continue that little check-in we did just in the beginning, you saw the gamut from people bursting into tears to people saying that they're having a good day. And all of those are welcome here, right? That this gets to be a safe space for that. Um, and I hope it continues to be. And it really is Jessica and I's personal mission always um, to have that because, <laughs> oh man, especially right now, friends. Um, so sorry, that was a long talk. I had a lot to say, wait till Easter. <laughs> this is just the Passover talk. <laughs> um, we're going to go to the mats now and we'll practice. We'll do a little bit of pranayama to get back into our bodies. But um, that's, yeah, I wish I'd record. Oh, I guess I did record it on the video thing and you'll get it later and you can listen to it again later because it's a lot. And I think there's, oh, you listened to it. Oh, good, Erica. I'm so glad. Maybe 